welcome back, everybody. Um, the last trip I made before the pandemic and the shutdown was to back to the Philadelphia area where we have relationships with my mentor and a dear friend, John Karras. And he had me come speak to the school of which he works at, the Valley Forge Baptist Academy. When I was there before, we kind of addressed some issues, and that's what I'm referring to in this audio regarding do we know him? Do we know love? So this is regarding that time together and what has been on my heart since from Isaiah 30. So this is the audio from it from a Zoom we did this week in a morning devotional. I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Thank you so much. with you. I was going to ask a question, but I guess that'd be kind of difficult. I was going to ask, where's everybody at? That would be kind of hard. But a consensus from talking to students and talking to family and friends, we're all in a place of what seems to be uncertainty. And it's interesting, Michael started off that video by saying fact versus fear. And in a time where we can't find many facts, and even those of us with faith, we're out to really seek deep and hard to find what is fact in our life. What does scripture say? And yet, how do I embrace scripture when it seems at times it's so difficult? It's interesting, John just reminded me that 26 years ago today, Michael Tate sang at John Karras' wedding, and we were there, and I was on the road with a young man, Michael Tate, who was fresh out of Liberty and Toby McKeon, and uh, Kevin Max, and they had just gotten out of college. And here you are, many of you. Is this all seniors, Todd? Uh, it's uh, the whole school, six through 12. Oh, oh, wow. So those of you who are seniors, I want to address you particularly. God hasn't forgotten. I know it's difficult. Your senior year, graduation. And I don't know what unique way Todd and the leadership of the school is going to do it, but they're going to do something special and you're going to be honored. And you know what? Maybe the way to look at it is you're the one class, one generation that will look back like great moments in time and say, you know what? Though I gave up this selflessly, it's amazing what I learned through it. And I want you to know God sees your hearts. And God never intended coronavirus 19. God doesn't bring evil and good. God can't be healing and sickness. God is the healer. We're on the other side of the cross, which we just celebrated. And the one thing we know that Christ did on that cross is he took not only our sins, but he took sickness, disease, doubt, fear, anxiety, depression, loneliness, despair. And he came to destroy the works of the devil. And he came to give us an assurance of his love. He destroyed death. Death no longer is a victory. But in that process of receiving what we say that we believe, we have to come to rest with that. And I believe that I wanted to make a disclaimer that everything I'm going to share with you today, I'm still working on and wrestling with and struggling with. As is every one of your teachers, as Billy Graham used to say at every uh, outreach that we'd go to with Michael W. Smith or DC Talk or Jars of Clay or any band I was with, 
He said, remember this. If you leave with nothing else, remember Billy Graham's a sinner. That's he used to say. A sinner. But God loves you. And he has paid the price. So the one thing that I've found in this time that God's dealing with me, and I believe it's interesting that in many ways we push God out of business and the stock market's been affected and shut down. We push God out of politics and they're in chaos. We push God out of schools, public schools, and schools are shut down. And even for Christian schools are shut down. And, and I really would say he's returned us to family and the thing that all began in the garden. So the very thing the enemy intended for evil is trying to restore what is broken, not only in America, but across the world. And when we get alone and we start thinking we're the only ones, we can remember that everyone, not just in a nation, seniors all over the world, uh, young children all over the world, sixth graders, seventh graders, are all in the same place of dealing with this pandemic. But God hasn't left us. He said to his disciples in Mark 6, 31, and it's interesting, he says to them, he says, come away with me and find rest. And when I left you guys, the last time I was with you, do you remember we were talking about love, the seniors? Do you remember any seniors? We were talking about love. I, I, it's hard to scroll through everybody. But we are talking about 1 Corinthians 13. And the reality that 1 Corinthians 13 is a chapter that no one can live. And I think what God's confronting us with is we really don't have two lives anymore. We have one life. And we find it in his spirit. So when he said be born again of a new spirit, it means that we take our life and we bring it to the cross of Calvary, which we just celebrated. And we say, this now is no longer my life. I am no longer my own, but I give it to you. Jesus is reminding his disciples all of their victories mean nothing. Aside from the victory of the cross. And we watched The Passion of Christ. Our young daughter I talked to went to NYU. She's here. She got quarantined uh, from the job that she was on. Uh, she, they're working on the Underground Railroad, a movie, and they were three days away from finishing it, and they shut the set down after a year and a half. And she had to be isolated. Then she had to be isolated again before she came in our home. So we said, why are the three of us together? Why just the three of us? Why your family? Who are you isolated with right now? It's not happenstance. It's not coincidence. But there's something that God wants to work out. And I really believe what God's doing is showing what's in our heart. And I want you to know that, like I said, I really want this clear, guys, that I'm struggling with all these issues that I'll be teaching on. And whatever you're struggling with, don't give up because he's not going to give up on you. He never gives up on his children. Because you know what? He's already said he'll never leave you, nor forsake you. So what could he give up on? It'd be given up on himself. And he doesn't do that. God never gives up. And he never tires of giving us his loving grace. His spirit woos us, like he said here, his disciples. They just returned from a mission in Mark 6, 30 and 31. He said they, they told him everything they'd done. All their works, everything they've done, and all the teaching they've done. 
There's such a swirl of activity, such a busyness around Jesus. So many people coming and going, they were unable to even eat a meal. So Jesus said to his disciples, come, let's take a break and find a secluded place where you can rest a while. Come away by ourselves, the NIV says. You know what's a scary thing to do? Get alone with yourself. But you know what's a comforting thing? Get alone with yourself in front of a loving God. I want you all to know, when you have those thoughts that are dark and discouraging, God knows. He doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to come to me. He said, come away with me and rest. And I, Come to me and, and I'll give you rest. So after I left you guys, and that was the last trip of my year, and I was on, I was on my way to the airport twice and got called home. Uh, the, an interview was canceled on a radio show in LA. A guy who lost his wife to cancer that I prayed with at that restaurant, John. His the funeral was canceled. So on top of not only the healthcare workers, which we need to applaud daily, but there are people who have sacrificed even having a closure on the memorial of a loved one. And I call that guy and check in on him. Uh, you can pray for him. Uh, his name is Danny, and he's struggling with his faith. His wife came to embrace faith right before she passed. But Jesus was saying, all the things you're teaching, all the things you're doing, listen, all of us, your teachers, your administrators, they're all dealing with it too. You know, we like to hide behind what we do rather than who we are. Jesus said, come away by yourself. You know what Paul said? Why is it that the things I want to do, I don't do in Romans 7? Why is it? But that which I want to do, I can't do, but so easily I do the thing I don't want to do. Those repetitive things, those things that we do in the dark, those things that we think in our minds, those things we say to our loved ones, those things we say, you know, in my marriage, you want to talk about a purity is, you know, when you get married, you grow up in front of a mirror. That person doesn't leave you for this reason, you'll be joined to your wife. And the two shall become one. And many of us have broken homes, broken families, have seen divorce at a rampant rage. And God's calling us to our home to establish that he is the bridegroom and we are his bride and he's purifying us for that day when we'll stand with him. There'll be no marriage in heaven. You remember the verse? He said, whose wife shall she be after they went through the, the, the scripture of Redeemer? She had six husbands. They all died. So whose wife would she be? And Jesus says, no, you're not. There's no marrying and giving in marriage in heaven. Why is that? I, I didn't like that verse for a long time because I waited and waited and waited after I came to the Lord for a wife. And when God brought my wife, I wanted to be with her forever in heaven and said, well, I get it, God. But, you know, but for us, we're going to be together, right? Her and I will be together as husband and wife. And, and the Lord had to remind me, and this is unfortunately rather recently, that what he said was that would be adultery. You're married to me. So I want to tell all of you, if you really want to know what it's like, what, the, what this whole message is about, come away, get away with him and rest, because he is your bridegroom and you're his bride. For you grown adults, I, I remind you that this is our whole call to get away with him and be alone with him, to be still with him, not prepare your next message, not prepare your next itinerary, your next uh, uh, devotional, the next... 
you know, I laid here last night and he woke me up with that verse. The things I don't want to do, I do. Who can save me? And you know what his answer is? Thanks be unto God, Jesus Christ. Only he can save me. And here's the interesting thing. Save me from myself. Literally, the flesh is literally selfishness. And so what God does is he lovingly shows us in this time, all of us, what's really in our heart. And he tells us in Jeremiah 29, this is in Jeremiah, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord. And so he shows us all these things that many of us are are struggling with and we're troubled with, our depression, our anxious thoughts, uh, arguing with our family, our friends, um, and me struggling with my wife. On top of it, um, I'm wearing a brace from my thigh all the way to my ankle because I fell off a, a bench and broke and I slammed my kneecap into the wall. This located my quad from my kneecap. I wish it was more glamorous, a football injury or something. But no, I fell and banged my knee and I'm in therapy for six months. What did I learn? After I left you, he kept reminding me, Michael, if you're going to let me take over your life, there's one life left. It's not yours and mine. It's my life daily. Paul said, I die daily. I decrease so he can increase. So every day he's trying to bring us to a place of a greater revelation that really the greatest, freest, funnest, most enjoyable life is to realize that Christ in us, the hope of glory, is real. That if we have Christ in us and we have the hope of a restoration, a hope of reunion with loved ones, many of you have lost loved ones, some very close some friends, but we have a hope that's beyond just a pie-in-the-sky dream. And and I would encourage you all, dig into the scriptures what it says about this new life in Christ. I guarantee you it's not a boring life. It's a God-expecting life. What's next, Papa? What do you have? Romans 8 says what this is is an expectant life, a life of hope and encouragement, a, a, a hope where Even though he comes in and shows us these things in our heart, and he says our heart is desperately wicked, what does he say in Jeremiah 29? He says, I don't come to show you. I have plans of a future and a hope, plans of good and not evil. You seniors, he has plans for you. You sixth graders, he has plans for you. It's not the way we hoped, maybe. Listen, unmet expectations are disappointing, but he never disappoints. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. I mean, Here is the opportunity of a lifetime for God to restore what's most important, our intimacy with him as his bride. He is a bridegroom. And and another term, if you want to learn how to be a father and mother, maybe you didn't have the best father and mother. For us as adults that still are recovering from some images or some of you are living in situations, listen, don't be a victim. Allow God to make you a victor. Allow God to take you to a new place of looking from the cross and saying, My mom, my dad, they struggled with issues, and they're healing. Unfortunately, part of the healing process I'm involved in, but I want to know my daddy. Because if you want to be a good father and you haven't had a good father, you have an opportunity to break the curse. I didn't have a good father. I had an alcoholic, abusive father. But what God did in my life is he became a father to me. So now I'm a son of God. And there's no fear in love. He doesn't discipline me like my my father, earthly father did. And by the grace of God, my earthly father came to a saving knowledge of grace. This is a man who went through the, the Great Depression, 
a man who at 17 and a half lied about his age enrolled in the army and stormed the beaches of Normandy, that great generation they talk about. But when he saw the pains of war, wondered how there could be a God. And some of us have our own wars and we're wondering, how can there be a God in the midst of this? And I tell you, if you really reflect on what the cross is about, and it was hard to watch the Passion of Christ and a brutal two hours of beating. It went on for two days. But what he said at the beginning, even to the end, he was loving, forgiving. Not only the thief on the cross, but the religious people who turned him in and betrayed him, Judas, and everyone who betrayed him, they turned him in and destroyed him. He washed Judas' feet and he washed Peter's feet. And when he resurrected, he said to them, go tell my disciples, I'll meet them there. And even Peter. He wanted Peter to know. He specifically said Peter's name. The cross we just celebrated on Easter is not the end of the story. Every one of you who've had an encounter with the grace of God and have a let the Lord Jesus Christ be born again in your heart, now have a hope that you can let the living God change you from the inside out. We don't like change. And guess what? Someone said to me in my men's group, we did a Zoom. Well, Guido, it's a good time to have your six-month rehab. Everyone's in the same boat. No one can go anywhere. It's a level playing field for every teacher, for every student, for every husband, for every wife, for every friend. We're all being challenged. And what the challenge is, is God showing us our heart. We sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We don't know how amazing it is, but grace changes us. Any grace that doesn't radically alter one's life is not salvation grace and will never change your eternal destiny. Now, I don't say that from a legalistic work standpoint. Again, going back to the point I made at the beginning, if we have been reconciled to Christ, the only life living in us right now, if we're born of his spirit, is his. And we selfishly, like Paul, say, I don't want to do that, but I do it anyway. Why? because his spirit doesn't do that. Remember the scripture that was a hard one to, for each of us that we heard in John where he says, he who is born of the spirit doesn't sin? That's impossible. Paul just said he sinned. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But the one that lives in you never sins. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it crazy that God would choose his enemy to live in our flesh? That's grace. God doesn't pick perfect people to save. He picks those who are willing to confess their weakness. And even for us who are leaders and teachers and administrators and adults and parents and moms and dads, we have to come to terms with the fact that when we start being real about our weaknesses, then God's strength can really come. He wants to change us in this season. My biggest fear is if America and the world doesn't get the message, What's next? If we get out of this prematurely, as you know, John, as a coach, as you know, as a teacher, Todd, and an athlete, and both of you were sport, if you don't learn before the game, there's no trying to learn in the game. We have to learn now. Don't look at this as a punishment. It's just God didn't sleep through this. This came not from God's hand, but it came. And he goes, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have this backfire right into the 
the face of the enemy because I'm going to take this isolation. I'm going to take this and turn it into a time of, of desperation for me. I'm going to wake up my children's heart to know I love them right through this. I'm going to make my presence known like never before. There's going to be a real witness of what salvation grace looks like. And I don't want to miss it. I don't know about you guys. I don't want to come out of this the same. I don't want normal. I want the new normal, which is Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's the only normal we should desire. The normal that says, I reconcile myself as dead unto myself, but alive in Christ. It's no longer I who live, Paul said, but Christ in me, the hope of glory. You know, Paul said, reckon yourself as dead. I live in the South. And that in the terms of the South, be, I'm dead, I reckon. But he lives. We sing that hymn, he lives. So I can face tomorrow because he lived. You guys, don't get stuck in worrying about the future. That is fear. And don't live in the past of yesterday or today's sin. That's regret. Live in the now. One thing that I feel he's trying to reveal us all, in the midst of all of our tragedies, in the midst of all the dramatic changes and all the challenging times for each and every one of us, he doesn't want us to live in regret. And he doesn't want us to go into the future because the truth is, God said, I've kept the future hidden from you because you couldn't handle it. Eternity is a place where there's no time. So think of this. When do we feel like there's no time? When we're actively engaged in a conversation with someone we love, someone we care for, a friend, a family member, and we're caught up in the moment, in the present, and we're living in that moment. We're not worried about what's coming. We're just so enjoying the moment, we're soaking it up. And I don't want to miss this moment and, and miss what God is trying to teach me. And I really believe like a hose that goes in and cleans a dirty jar. We're all just jars of clay. We're all just broken vessels. But he's scrubbing the insides of our heart. He's going to those places that we don't like to go to. And he's saying, do you want this in you anymore? Do you want this unbelief, this doubt, this lust, this greed, this anger? This prejudice, do you want this in your heart? Unforgiveness in your heart? Listen, if you want to live a life of freedom, begin to love yourself. Begin to forgive yourself. Because you're never going to be able to love anyone. You think you want a boyfriend, a girlfriend. You think you want to learn how to love and forgive. You can't love or forgive anyone until you've forgiven yourself by the blood of Christ and love yourself the way Christ loves you. Because we don't get forgiven because we say our sorry. We get forgiven. The repentance comes through the long suffering of God that many of us are being challenged with. Some we've just kind of hid away and hid away and hid away. And now all of a sudden God's bringing it to light and go, I don't want that anymore. I don't want that in my heart anymore. So I said, you, you know, I'm struggling with these issues as well. He's changing us into his image. He's not just changing us. He says we're being conformed to the image of Christ. And that very passage that I read to you when we were together, seniors, about the fact that God isn't going to leave us the same and his 1 Corinthians 13 love that you used at all these weddings, and so many of us know so well, love is patient, love is kind. Love doesn't keep score of the wrongs of others. All the fruits of 1 Corinthians 13, I challenge you, every one of you, to read that every day. 
not the whole thing, maybe just take snippets of it and read through what love is because that's who Jesus is. You and I are not there, but we're being conformed to the image of Christ because you know what he says at the end? And this is the part he hit me with after I left you all. He said, we don't see everything clearly. See, darkly as looking through a glass. We see dimly as squinting through a fog, puzzling as looking through a mirror. But someday we'll see clearly and we'll be just like him. But until that day, we just keep we keep squinting through the fog. We keep looking through the mirror, looking through the glass. Listen, guys, he's never going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you know what he's so gracious? He's changing us to his image. I don't want to take too much time, but I want to thank you all for allowing me to be here and be a part of your day. Know you are loved and begin to love yourself. Know you are forgiven and forgive yourself. And come to that rest and get along with him. I love you all. Uh, thank you, Brother Guido. Uh, what a challenge. I hope all of you uh, took some good notes on that. I did. I have a page and a half of notes. I can, but I really appreciate it. I, I want you to be real about it. Take this into heart and, and let's, all, let's all allow God to work in our hearts this, during this time. It's not easy, but it is, it is the opportunity for us to allow God to, to mold us and make us. Thank you for your honesty and your openness with us, uh, Brother Guido. And uh, let's close in prayer, and then uh, we'll all be off to be off to classes. All right. And so um, let's go ahead and pray together, and then we'll be we'll be off. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much for uh, who you brought into our life. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you'll help each one of us as we we have this opportunity. We know that you're the unchangeable God. Uh, you will you never change, Lord. We we sometimes can stray away from you. We can sometimes put things in our life that will, will, will cause us to not necessarily walk as close to you as we need to be. And Lord, I, I, I pray that through this time, uh, we don't look at the disappointments of it, but we look at the appointments that you have made with us, that you have chosen to be a part of, of this for us. And you want us to, to come to you and have a better relationship with you as a result of this, of this uh, trying time. Lord, I pray to help us to be prepared because the game is going to come, and Lord, I pray as athletes, a lot of us are athletes, Lord, I pray to help us to, to use, use this time to prepare for what you have for us in our lives. Thank you for Brother Guido, pray for healing. Thank you that he is willing to come and, and share with us his heart, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, mm -hmm. good luck, have fun in class. Don't work too hard. Nice.